The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. The Word of God for this Sunday after Pentecost, I just want to make sure everybody can hear me here, is found in, in Zechariah chapter 14. I just want to offer a prayer and then we're going to, we're going to read this word together and, and we'll get into it. Spirit, attend to this word today and give us great encouragement that in every part of our lives on us, on our very identities, we have been inscribed with the words, holy to the Lord. We give all the praise to Jesus, our Savior, for this. Amen. The Word of God this morning is found in Zechariah chapter 14, just two verses, just two verses that we get from the Spirit of God today. On that day, holy to the Lord, be inscribed on the bells of the horses and the cooking pots in the Lord's house will be like sacred bowls in front of the altar. Every pot in Jerusalem and Judah, will be holy to the Lord Almighty. And all who come to sacrifice will take some of the pots and cook in them. And on that day, there will no longer be a Canaanite in the house of the Lord Almighty. This is the word of the Lord. If you don't have your Bibles open, you wouldn't notice it. But if you do have your Bibles open, you'll notice it. This is it. These two verses are the grand finale to the book of Zechariah. This is it. I mean, Fourth of July is later this week, right? And this is like the fireworks display when you're getting to the end and all of a sudden the whole sky is just lit up. This is the ending to a vivid, brilliant, dramatic book. I mean, we've done a little bit of the book of Zechariah here at Sure Foundation, and we've seen, we've seen the supersonic horses in the book of Zechariah. We have seen the spiritual satanic exorcism off of the right ear of the priest. Joshua, we have seen a dramatic and spectacularly successful military operation to remove from Israel a woman named Wickedness, taking her all the way to the land of Babylon. I mean, this, this is, is an incredible, dramatic, unforgettable book, and these words are the conclusion to it all. This is it. Are you disappointed at all? Maybe, maybe just a little bit? <laughs> I mean, be honest. There's critics. There, there's critics to the end of the book of Zechariah. I mean, it, if this were like the grand finale to 
you know, some television series, the people would be getting on Twitter and hashtagging um, finale failure. Because there's critics out there. There's, there's critics that will say and call the bells here little superfluous bells. Why, they say. Why is, is Zechariah talking about tinkling little bells? I mean, you won't find bells throughout the entire book of Zechariah except for here, and they'll say, Zechariah, why in the grand finale of it all are you talking about these little bells that hang off these incredible war horses? Why? Why talk about something so non-essential? So superfluous, so unnecessary. There's critics, you see. There's critics also, as we get to the end of the book of Zechariah, that there are, are critics of Zechariah visiting the cookery aisle at Macy's. In the Bible, the Bible only speaks in depth about vessels and cookery and pots and pans and bowls in the book of Exodus or Leviticus when it comes to the worship of the people of God. But why here? Why here does, does, it, does Zechariah, you know, <laughs> it seems visit somebody's wedding registry? Why is he talking about Household items. Why is he pulling out bowls and pots and pans? Something that is so mundane and so ordinary. And this, this is the end of the book of Zechariah. And what do we have? At the end of the book of Zechariah, we have superfluous bells, tinkling bells, and we have mundane pots and pans. And then... Zechariah drops the mic. You, you can maybe understand why some people are like, what? <laughs> I thought there would be something else that he would say, Zechariah. I want to give you a little insight into me. I, there's a part of me when I read these verses and, and I studied them and I meditated on them that I had this little ridiculous conversation happening between household items in my head like you know that conversation that happens in in the book of corinthians you know the one i'm talking about between the different parts of the body where where the eyes the eyes are so proud because they're so essential and so useful and the eyes are saying to the hands i don't need you and then there's the feet right and the feet they have like no pride at all and they're so in despair about themselves and they're, the feet are saying, we're so useful. You don't need feet, do you? I thought of a conversation like that happening between household items, especially the household items that Zechariah is talking about here, like the bells, the poor bells, and, and the bulls who who have been elevated, and they're so essential, the bulls are saying to the bells, now, why do you even exist? You just tinkle like 
do you really think the horse needs you to go to battle or something like that? And then the bowl says to the pots and pans, you know, we hold the blood. You know, the blood that cleanses the people. But you, pots and pans, you hold the ashes and all the waste. We're better than you. I imagine this little conversation happening, and you can imagine how the, the, the pots and the pans and the tinkling little bells felt after a conversation like that. They are, felt so mundane, so ordinary, so non-essential. So superfluous. I thought about that. Because something has happened today that's really unprecedented in our lifetimes. The way that some people spend their time every day has now been labeled. The way that some people spend their time, like the doctors and the nurses and the people who sell liquor, they're essential. Like, apparently without them, and it's true, apparently without them, we can't make it. And then, the teachers and the pastors and the artists and the designers and the nannies have been labeled superfluous and non-essential. I thought about that, and I don't mean to critique the government, and I don't have really a bone to pick, but I think we have to recognize what that does to people spiritually. I read a Facebook post written by a phlebotomist. <laughs> you know what a phlebotomist is? A phlebotomist is the person who draws blood. So meanwhile, we're, we're applauding all the essential workers, and I love essential workers, don't get me wrong. But this phlebotomist puts up on Facebook, what about us? Are we not essential, too? The Sunday Times, maybe you saw it, it was, went, we can use the word, it went viral on the internet. They did... They did a poll, they did a survey, and they asked people what vocations or what jobs are the most essential. And you, you can imagine that far and away, <laughs> doctors and nurses were the most essential. But do you, and then they asked, who is the most non-essential? Because this is, this is what we talk about these days. Do you know what was number one? Artists. Artists. And, and you can imagine like how insulted all the artists, like, and there's so many people that work in artistic ways. You, you can imagine how demeaned they felt, like how dehumanized they felt. And somebody wrote sort of an apologetic for, for the non-essential artists out there, and they said, okay, if you really think that we're not essential, here's what you got to do. Throw out your television, get rid of Spotify, get rid of Netflix, 
and all of those things that artistic people give to you. And then you'll see if we're essential or not. But you can see what happens spiritually to people when they are labeled as superfluous, non-essential, like they're tinkling little bells or pots or pans. You can see what happens to them. But maybe deep down, and this is something maybe you only know, maybe deep down, without anybody slapping, slapping a label on what you do every day, you've already felt superfluous and non-essential. You know, the stay-at-home parent has been fighting this battle for years and decades already. Like, you can imagine the dad who stays at home with his kids and mom goes out and she's, she's a lawyer and she's, she's saving the world and defending clients, but dad stays home and the only goal that he accomplishes every day is he keeps the kids alive. And maybe he changes a diaper or two. And the dad who stays at home, that people ask him, people ask him, well, what do you do? And it's almost like it's shameful. Well, I stay at home with my kids. See, you feel that in your heart. And then there's a financial analyst and what she does all day is she fills out these little cell blocks on Excel. That's all she does. That's it. And at the end of the day, she wonders, well, what did I really accomplish? And then there's a line worker. And literally, all that this line worker does is he shows up every day at Tyson Chicken. You know what I'm talking about. And at the end of the day, he's packaged a bunch of chicken up for people to grill on July 4th. And he wonders, is, does my life matter? Is it superfluous? Or is what I do every single day nothing but a tinkling little bell? Ding, 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 ding. Ordinary, like a pot or a pan, mundane, like a bowl. bowl. Studs Terkel wrote a really interesting book back in the 1980s about the American work life. It's called a book called Working. And this is, I want to read you the sentence. This is how he starts the book about the American worker. He says, it is above all, it is above all about daily humiliation. To survive the day is triumph enough for walking around wounded among the great many of us. You see, despite our protestations about being labeled as non-essential, as people who should stay home because the world doesn't need us, some of us already feel it in our hearts. And maybe you've started to think about it even more because maybe you lost your job or you've been furloughed and you're wondering, Lord, what now? Because the sensitive believer, you know this to be true, the sensitive believer above all else wants to contribute and serve our neighbor and give glory to God. These are questions that we urgently need to answer. Does my work life 
matter? Does what I do, does how I spend my time, is it really essential or is it a pot or a pan or a tinkling bell? Zechariah, here in these verses, he sees a day. At the beginning of the verses and at the end of the verses, he sees a day. And for him, it's, it, it's far off. And as he looks at the day, he, he yearns for the day because when this day comes, all of these distinctions are just going to fall apart. That's what he says. He says there will be no distinction between pots, pans, and bowls. He says there's going to be no distinction, in other words, between what is profane and what is sacred. There's going to be no distinction even between night and day. There's going to be no distinction between what is cold and what is hot. There's going to be no distinction, he says, between what is impure and what is holy. In fact, what he says is this. He says somebody is going to take that soup perfect little bell, that little tiny bell, and get out a little tiny chisel. And they're going to take the time to inscribe right there on it, holy to the Lord. Holy to the Lord. Zechariah sees the day. He even knew how it was going to happen. He did. He could see it. He saw the Messiah, the King, ride on a donkey to the city of God, Jerusalem. A King is coming to you, Jerusalem, he said. Rejoice! He said, he said he could see it. He could see the day. He, he, he saw the day when the people would pierce their God. And they would kill him dead. He, he saw the day when a sword would rise up and, and cut down the shepherd and the sheep would be scattered. He saw that day. He saw the day when this beautiful fountain would, would spring up in Jerusalem and this cleansing flood would go over all the people of God. He, he saw the day and he yearned for it when all of these distinctions would be wiped out. And I have to tell you, today is that day. Because we have seen Jesus ride into Jerusalem on a donkey to work for us. Do you know the kind of work that he did? It was lowly work. It was shameful work. It was work that took him to be hung 
on a cross and all of this he did for the glory of God. This work, the most shameful work, the lowest work, became the most essential for our salvation. And his wounds, those are the wounds that Zechariah saw that become a cleansing flood over us. So that we've been inscribed on our foreheads and on everything that we've done. Holy to the Lord. Holy to the Lord. Holy to the Lord. This is a very radical, very revolutionary idea. I, I don't know if you realize that. This, to, to say that there is no secular anymore, not when it comes to the Christian life, is an absolutely revolutionary idea. One theologian put it this way, that, that when the milkmaid milks the cow, God milks the cow. When the dad changes the diaper, God changes the diaper. See, everything that we do has become holy to the Lord because there is no distinction. Jesus has bled on everything that we are and do. A very famous theologian wrote this, and it's very influential in people's thinkings about, about the way that they choose their work. And he said this, where our deep gladness meets the world's need, there is our calling. I want to read that again. Where our deep gladness meets the world's need, there is our calling. He's not exactly right. Not really. You see, many of us want to do these great and awesome things for the Lord, and, and those things are awesome, but... If we're only trying to do the amazing and the extraordinary, let me ask you this, who's going to clean the toilet? And who's going to change the diapers? And who's going to take out the trash? See, this is what we need to do. When we think about the way that we use our time and our gifts in our daily vocations, we need to reimagine everything we do. We need to reimagine everything and understand that Jesus has bled on it all. See, when you sit down to write an email, it's what I want you to do in your mind. I want you to inscribe it. I want you to inscribe it, HTL, holy to the Lord. When you take out the garbage, inscribe it in your imagination, holy to the Lord. When somebody says that what you do is not essential, inscribe it, holy to the Lord. When, when you do the dirty or the disgusting or the boring or the mundane, inscribe it. Holy to the Lord. You see what that does? When you see things the way God does, 
you're going to do them with your whole heart. And you're going to give it everything that you have. And you're going you're gonna to be able to see your life and understand that everything that you do matters because it matters to God and it matters to your neighbor. Inscribe it wholly to the Lord. You know, for me, as I look at these closing verses of the book of Zechariah, for me, for me, there's genius in it. Because he leaves behind the dramatic. He leaves behind the extraordinary. He leaves behind the revolutionary. <laughs> Which God does too. And what he does is he inscribes on little vowels. He elevates to a new status pots and pans. And he gives us a new vision of what life is like in Jesus' name. Amen.